What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast could come from you, the listener, by heading over to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. There, you can be a monthly supporter of the show and my writing that the brilliant Sam Harris describes as basically one less cup of coffee per month. If that's feasible, I'd love to have your continued support. But if not, that's totally fine too, as there are other ways of supporting the show. If you're an Apple Podcasts or iTunes listener, you can leave the show reading and a review that is very quick and very painless and something that I'd very much appreciate and will help other people find the show. I'd also like to quickly remind you that you can listen to the podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, which is pretty cool, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Lastly, don't forget to check out my website at chasethomaspodcast.com where you can find quick, easy access to all of my previous episodes, all of my articles. I'm writing a lot there now, how to contact me, and much more. And with that, let's jump into today's episode. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Yovan Bua, he's back on the pod tonight. At live from the Staples Center where there's going to be a basketball game that no one's going to watch because it's going to feature the Clippers and the Mike conley list Memphis Grizzlies. But he's got some great takes specifically that I found out today that I like that I want to talk about is that the Brooklyn pick is going to be a worse pick than that Lakers pick. And I cannot believe that's happening. And Danny Ainge might actually win another trade just by moving on uh, from the Brooklyn pick and still ending up with like a number two or number three pick, which would be the case right now because the Lakers are the second worst team in the NBA. And that pick, if it falls, uh, I think one overall goes to Philly and then six through like 10 or 15 or something. It goes to um, that. It still goes to Philly and then the rest is um, goes to Boston. So it's a weird time and the Lakers are in turmoil and you are covering the team that has a nice resurgent tonight uh, with Blake Griffin being back. And I very much am happy to see him back on the court doing really fun things. I watched that highlight reel of him the other night uh, over and over again. And it, it was very important to me to see him back playing great basketball. Yeah. I mean, this, this team seems like the second I write them off, they, uh, they come back from the dead. Uh, you know, I kind of thought with the way the season was going and the season was over, it didn't really matter when, I mean, obviously we came back a little bit earlier than we expected. We expected him to be out another couple of weeks or so. Um, Milos, there really was never any timetable with him, but it seemed like he was going to be out until at least January. He came back early, uh, and then Beverly's out for the rest of the season and Gallo, uh, can only stay healthy for a game or two before he gets injured randomly somehow. So, uh, yeah, this team, like they're, they're only a game and a half out of the eight seed, uh, where they could be facing their favorite opponent, the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> uh, but 
Yeah, I think I think it honestly speaks more to the disappointment of the bottom of the West playoff picture. Like, you know, this team being three games under 500 and they're, you know, a game and a half out of the eight seed, uh, you know, a third of the way into the season. Like, no one really expected that. We, we were kind of envisioning this season being another year, like a few years ago, where it was kind of like you have to win 50 games to, to make, you know, the, the, the playoffs out West for at least like 47, 48. We, we could have a team, you know, in the 40 to 42 range. So uh, I think that's more of a testament to uh, how bad the West has been. And also the Clippers have had somewhat of an easy home heavy schedule lately. Uh, but, you know, the next week or so, they got the Thunder, Warriors, and Rockets all coming in here. So I, I don't know how long these playoff dreams are going to last. If it was, you know, if I was picking right now, I would still say they don't make the playoffs. But I think they'll definitely be in that nine to ten range with maybe a puncher's chance of getting in. Yeah, I think if they don't trade Blake and I'm, I, I if they don't trade Blake and they don't trade DJ, and I don't think they're gonna trade Blake, but like especially DJ and Blake stays healthy and they get Gallo back for like a stretch run, I I definitely think this team has a really good shot of getting the eight seed. Like the Jazz are about to go through a month of hell. Uh, they're a ter- I think they're the worst road team in basketball, so we can go ahead and cancel them out because I think they have a heavy road schedule in January, and they're like 3-15 and 15 or something on the road. But the Clippers, like to even still be in it with how many different starting lineups that they've thrown out, <laughs> I think they have the most starting lineups of anyone in the NBA right now. Lou Williams, I think, wrapped up six-man of the year two and a half months ago, and <laughs> I, I, they're just... They're fun still. They, I, I think Doc deserves a lot of credit. Like This is a really impressive Doc year because... This could have really gone off the rails, like especially just with how many ro- different rotations he's had to mess with, and just never knowing who he's going to have from on a night to night basis. And it's for the most part paid off. Like he's kept this team afloat, and I think a lot of other coaches or a lot of other teams could have imploded uh, in a way that the Clippers just haven't. And I think it's it's cool that they haven't imploded. And I want Blake in the playoffs. And I think that. They're a team that has no incentive to fall out of the playoffs with Blake and DJ still on this roster and then investing in Gallo and all that kind of stuff. So I hope they get the eight seed, but it depends on how many more times I think they're going to play the Kings because if they can play the Kings 17 to 20 more times before the end of the season, I think they're in good shape. <laughs> I, I watched that whole game, and it was so bad. The Kings are terrible. Their rotations are terrible. It, it was um, It's amazing to me that they play Zebo at the four as much as they do. It it was it was bad, and I I cannot believe I watched the entirety of Clippers Kings the other night, but I did. Well, yeah, now I, I feel stupid because I was kind of like, why did Kings sign George Jones, Zach Randolph, and Vince Carter? Like, I still don't think it makes sense even even now. I just but part of me was like, okay, you know, Zebo, he's he's no longer Zebo old, but he still can get you fifty and eight on, on you know pretty consistent any night george hill border was you know probably a fringe all-star candidate last year and then vince carter you know find continues to find a way to stay relevant every year so to me i was like Damn, the king's now going to go up you know two three spots in the west maybe and then what the hell are they doing but i think they're the worst team in the west like they're, they're just atrocious uh you don't know what they're doing uh <laughs> it's pretty bad don't they have the worst point differential in the NBA right now? And I think it's not even close. I think they're like minus eight point five, something like that. They're just they're getting. Uh, but you know right what? We were talking about it. They're, they're minus, minus ten point three. Is it now to ten? It was eight like a week ago. Yeah. 
Ugh. <laughs> oh my god. Just bad. And, and so the the second worst team is the Bulls at negative six point four. So there's a three point nine differential, which is just massive. Yeah, they're, they're it, like it's not close. Like it's getting worse, and they're just. Oh my god, that what a terrible situation. But you know, as we were talking about the Kings and the Clippers, George Hill would be a good Pat Beverly replacement for the rest of this year. I think if there was a way to like get Pat Bev, I mean get uh, George Hill on the Clippers for the second half of the season, I think that would actually may ensure a playoff run for them. Like he'd be a huge upgrade at the starting one for them. I feel like can we get him in LA? That's what we need to do. Yeah, I just I'm not, I'm not sure what they could give up unless like you're getting nothing. George Hill's on a one year contract and he's on he's not happy. Yeah. Like he's tweeting out stuff. Like I, I don't think his value at right now could be any lower. Like I think the Kings would just be happy to move him so they could play Darren Fox a lot more down the stretch because their season's over. So Fox needs to be playing like thirty plus minutes a night anyway. Well, I just mean that you know, I think the, the Clippers right now are like a hundred thousand under the luxury tax. So they definitely don't want to take on money. Mm-hmm. So I just don't really know off the top of my head. I'm trying, like, it, you know, it probably has to be like Wes Johnson and something. Like, I, I don't know what fuck they could entice the Kings with because I don't think, like, uh, I mean, the Clippers are going to want to give up Lou Williams. Obviously, Blake and, and you know, I think they'd love to go up Gallo, but I don't think that's going to happen uh, in that trade. You know, maybe Austin Rivers? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what gets you, George Hill. Because, uh, I mean, they're best just playing well, but I, I don't think there's any of those, any of those guys are going to make you cool. Uh, well, maybe the Kings can buy him out, and then they can just get him for cheap. Yeah, maybe that's that, the dream, no, if they just buy him yeah. out. There you go. Yeah. Okay, well, that's enough Clippers and Kings before too many people turn off this podcast. <laughs> this is not a Clippers-Kings podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about all kinds of things. So, the other team in L.A., they had a team meeting. Luke Walton, when he is not sitting in his office blasting the Grateful Dead, which... He apparently does, according to this really good ESPN piece. I don't remember who wrote this one in particular. It wasn't Ramona Shelburne, but it was it, it was it Ohm? Yeah, I think it was Ohm yeah, it who was had the whole, like, Palinka never knows what he's going to walk by when he passes Luke Walton's office <laughs> because sometimes he's either blasting music and other times it's, like, meditation uh, situation. And, you know, it uh, it's interesting. But it seems like there's a huge disconnect between Julius Randle and Luke Walton, and there's this, this running joke on NBA Twitter about the relationship between the two of them and Luke Walton's kind of perceived hesitation to get behind Randall. I don't know. Do you know what? What do you think is going on with Randall and Walton, or just Randall and the Lakers in general? Well, also I think going back to that team meeting, I think it's a very interesting situation because we all know that the Lakers' plan next summer is to sign. You know, LeBron James and or Paul George with, you know, maybe DeMarcus Cousins or, or, you know, some other high-profile free agent. They want to get at least two of those guys, you know, get back into the playoffs, try to make the West Conference Finals and start competing for championships again. Like, that's all the Lakers care about. This, you know, you know from their history, like, this is not a, this is not a franchise that's going to put up, like, a Pacific Vision banner. It's all championships are must for this team. Uh, for better or worse. So them, you know, making the playoffs as an eight seed, and it doesn't matter. So we, we know this, but I think the issue, from, from my perspective, is that there's been no alternative option for them. 
And I think you see, like, you rarely know what the team's actual off-season plans are, right? Like, going the most, I mean, sometimes we can kind of tell if it's very obvious, but for the most part, sometimes you know if a team's going to blow it up or, uh, you know, kind of go all in on, on free agents or making a trade or something. Like, it, that's supposed to kind of be private. And with the Lakers, I think they've done a very poor job of denying that storyline. And there has not been, you know, if, if I were them, honestly, I would float out a storyline to, to some writer that, you know, maybe they really like the young core and they want to build organically with, with that young core. Because right now, if my name's not one of the or Brandon Ingram, I know I'm excitable. And like maybe Kyle Kuz is also in that group, but I still think like, you know, it's really Lonzo and Ingram. Anyone else on that team is expendable to an extent. If I'm Julius Randle, if I'm Jordan Clarkson, if I'm Larry Nance, like, uh, you know, Zubac, like, I'm not feeling great about my future with the Lakers. And that's just kind of a weird thing to be playing with. Like, you know, you, there's always trade rumors with guys, and guys always have to deal with that. But this is just a unique situation where, you know, just the math, basic math is for them to get those guys, you're going to have to dump these guys. And I, I just think it's a really weird scenario when you're kind of, you know, isolating half your roster at the very least. So, you know, apparently based on what Andrew Bogut was saying, like it seemed like that's kind of been moving over the team recently. Uh, just the, the sort of instability with the future of the roster. So so that that's my opinion on that. I think the Lakers really need to do some PR damage control on that because I, I think there has there's been no alternative option for the team. Like Rob Polinka has not told anyone else that there's any other option. So if I'm Julius Randle or Jordan Clarkson, I pretty much know my life is the Laker over, you know, either by the trade deadline or this summer. And that sucks. Like, you know, uh, so, so back to Randall, like, I just think it comes down to Brooke Lopez is on paper, one healthy the Lakers best player. And I don't think Julius Randall and Brooke Lopez are the best fit. I think Larry Nance is a much better fit. He's a much better defender and mobile defender than Julius Randall. He's a much better passer and facilitator. Or I would say much better, but I think he is a better passer facilitator. Uh, and and he, you know, he's, he's a better shooter. So I think Larry Nance complements Brooke Lopez's game a lot better. And as long as Brooke Lopez is the starter, I think Larry Nance kind of makes sense with him as long as they're both healthy. And then Kyle Kuzma, you know, in my opinion, has been a better player than Julius Randle. So I think it's just kind of been a weird thing where Julius has kind of gotten squeezed where – you know, he probably isn't in the Lakers' future. I think he's going to be gone this summer. And then two, Nance fits better with Lopez, and Kyle Kuzma has been better. So he's kind of the odd man out. I know they played him at the five a lot. Uh, Lakers haven't really played a backup five. You know, Bogut's gotten some minutes. Dubot hasn't played that much. It's been a lot of Randall. But I just think Randall kind of is in this weird position where he doesn't really fit with the future of the team. Yeah, and you can tell it's awkward, and there's like this – He's like a holdover from the previous regime as like this fail. It's kind of like Jaleel Okafor yeah. in a way to me, where it's clear on everybody on the team, they all know that this guy is on his way out. He's not in the long-term plans. And it it's kind of sad because it's not like he's a bad player. Like he still has value. And it's kind of like Okafor where you're like, if he's your third big, I think a lot of teams would love to have Randall as their backup five and who can play some spot four. And like he, 
I mean, he has like a one. I think he's averaging. Yeah, he has an O rating of 108 and a D rating of 107. So on a bad team, he's still a plus player. And I think he's fine. But like you said with Larry Nance, his numbers have been great. Like Larry Nance, and if you watch the Lakers when Nance and Brooke are on the floor together, like you said, it just works and it looks right. But Brooke's been hurt. And Lonzo being out, this was like I think the biggest reason for their free fall in the last couple weeks is that Lonzo he can't shoot right now which is obvious but the one thing that Lonzo does really well is push the pace for this team they were number one in pace with Lonzo running things and now he's out and the pace is slower and Jordan Clarkson is not a pace player and Tyler Ennis is definitely not a fast pace player so what you're seeing I think is like they're falling off I think they're like the eighth or ninth in pace since Lonzo went out. And I think that matters on a bad team that can't shoot. So transition buckets are easier and better shots, generally speaking, than working in the half court. They're t- like the Blazers. Jared Dubin wrote this great piece on the step back today about like why the Blazers offense sucks. And it doesn't make any sense because they have Lillard and McCollum and guys that should be good. And it's a lot of it's because they don't score in transition ever. And it's hard to be a good offensive team when your half court features guys like, uh, Alfred Kaminu, Yusuf Nurkic, Mo Harkless, and guys like that who are just non-shooters around two good shooters. So it just makes it difficult in the half court to maximize those possessions. And I think the Lakers are in kind of a similar mode where KCP, man, like he's awful. I, I just, I, I'm there. Like, I don't know why Kuzma's not just getting so many minutes of the two. And like, I, I just, he is, he's bad, man. KCP just doesn't even look. He has no conscience. Like there's JR. And then there's like KCP who... The second he touches the ball, that shot is going up, and he's already had so many memorable uh, Twitter videos this season, and none of them are really good. And then you have the whole uh, off-the-court stuff, which is really bizarre, and I encourage everyone to read up on that and how this is all playing out because it's, it's very strange. But, you know, like the Lakers, I, I think a lot of it will get better once Lonzo comes back, and I think this has actually been good for Lonzo to be out because it kind of helps his argument of, like, his value to this team even if he's not shooting the ball well this team really falls apart when he's not around and i think he like not having brooke is obviously a huge problem because like you said he is their best player right now but i think losing lonzo um made this team and i guess would help fans see that like this guy is an impactful player even if he's not the kind of shooter or superstar that you wanted right out of the gate he's definitely playing a role and not having him makes this team a really bad one. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. Like I I will say to an extent, I, I also blame the Lakers because like you kind of mentioned earlier, Tyler Ennis is not, Tyler Ennis. I think it's, it's, I mean, look, he, he just had a great game in Houston, but I, I kind of believe in players having revenge games against their former teams. So I don't really want to read into that too much. Like to me, I think Tyler Ennis isn't really an NBA player or maybe he's like a third point guard, like 14th, 15th man. Yeah. I don't think he's your backup point guard. They played a lot of Clarkson at a backup point guard this season. But again, like Clarkson is just not really a facilitator. He doesn't, he creates, you know, he's a scoring guard. He creates for himself and, and, you know, he'll make obvious passes if someone is completely blatantly wide open, but he's not really going to set guys up and run an offense. And then behind that, like you have Randall and Nance who can both kind of facilitate and create here and there, but the Lakers don't really have another facilitator. So I think to have one as good as Lonzo 
and then not to you know not not to not, not to credit Lonzo too much, but like I think everyone gets so caught up in the scoring and the shooting that the guy's still averaging seven rebounds and seven assists. Like, yeah, you know, if you just take away the scoring, like seven rebounds and seven assists, like that's very very good for for a rookie period. But like, you know, rookie point guard, like you're, you know, when you're kind of projecting Lonzo's, I apologize to the background noise, by the way. Um, when you're projecting like prime Lonzo, you're probably at like 15, 16 points, seven, eight rebounds, like eight, nine assists. Like he's already almost there in the rebounds and assists. It's just, you know, he's got to get a shot down. He's got to fix it. He's got to be a little more aggressive, but I, I think he's playing much better than people are giving him credit for just because they're, they're focusing so much on the shooting, the shooting form, the scoring, like he's, he's had a much bigger impact on that team than I think he's given credit for. Yeah. I mean, especially defensively, he's number four right now in defensive real plus minus among every point guard in the NBA right now. His value, like the Lakers are a top 15 defensive team. And I think their offense, like if the worst part about Lonzo right now is his offensive game, then I think you should feel good because like you said, he's grabbing boards. He's passing the ball really well. And he's a really good defender. And the team is better defensively when he's on the court. And the same is actually true for Brook Lopez to an extent too. But yeah, I think this has actually been really good for Lonzo that, I mean, obviously not the injury, but just him being away and just seeing how bad this team is when he and Brooke Lopez are nowhere near them. I want to see, and then I want to hear where you think you should go. I want to see Clarkson and Randall package to Washington. I think that's where I like Markeith Morris and like, I don't know, Jody Meeks kind of situation trade for those two. Like I want to see, those two on the Wizards. I think the Wizards need some kind of boost to get them back in the top four or five in the NBA in the East. And I like Randall as like a backup five um, with Gortat and then seeing what he could do with Wall and Beal and those guys. And then Jordan Clarkson being the third guard behind Bradley Beal and John Wall. I like that too. That's where I want him to go. I, I like that. I, I think off the top of my head, I wonder what the Wizards give up. I mean, unless it's just simply a dump. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I would like, I think, I mean, that's why I actually think the Wizards would be an interesting team for Lou Williams. Um, yeah. If the Clippers go into fire sale mode, just because I, I think with the way he's playing this season, um, he'd give them a shot in the arm off the bench. Uh, and, you know, that team is not very deep. And Lou... I still, I mean, I, I still think they, they have the whole situation with, like, the backup point guard and who runs the second unit offense. Uh, I don't know if he necessarily solves that, but I think he gives them another body, and, and now you kind of have... He's better than Tim Frazier. Seven, maybe eight guys. Yeah, exactly. So, I guess we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens with that team, but I, I, like the, I like the Clarkson and Randall. I know Laker fans would not like that. Laker fans <laughs> think both of those guys are, you know fringe all-stars in the future but uh yeah neither of these guys are going to be all-stars ever let's go ahead and wrap that one up that's not happening you can go ahead and mark it down january 2nd 2018 julius randall and jordan clarkson are never going to be all-stars good role players not (laughs) all-stars i'm with you all right Speaking of Eastern Conference teams that are in need of a jolt, but, you know, the Raptors may have a jolt, and that is DeMar DeRozan is taking threes and passing the ball really well right now. And 
I don't want to go here because I've been here so many times at the Raptors, but I love Kyle Lowry, and I'm not going to move away from please trade Marcus All to Toronto Island. I've been there for months now. It's where I want him. I think Kyle Lowry, Gasol, and DeRozan would be really, really fun in the East. But, you know, Serge Ibaka is playing really well for them. OG Ananubi is quietly just an amazing pick for Masai in that front office this offseason. Like, he's been great for them as a rotation guy and, like, the best unsung rookie, I think, that no one really knows about. But I'm still – I don't know. I'm, I'm not there yet. Like, he dropped 52 DeRozan, I'm talking about. Like – are you there where like Toronto has a shot at winning the East or at least like getting past like Boston if they match up in the Eastern Conference semis? Like where are you right now with Toronto? I'm there. Um I, I would still, you know, I, I'm still scared that their destiny is losing in the second round to Cleveland uh and it not really be particularly close that being like a sweep or maybe a five-game series. Um, but I, I'll say this. I, I respect Toronto bringing the band back together. Uh, and I think, you know, the, the comparison over the past few years has been that they're basically Clippers East. And obviously the Clippers have a soft spot in my heart, that, you know, Lob City era. So to me, I, I kind of see it. And I, I think that this is, the best Raptors team, uh, you know, since Lowry and DeRozan have played together. Will that mean anything different in May? Like, I, I don't know. Uh, I think if things shake out, right, like, you know, I, th- I think if, if they're the one seed somehow and you, know, you have Cleveland, Boston in the 2-3, whoever they're playing in 4-5, I would probably take them over, even if it's Washington. Um, I I just think for, for me, the, the thing that's impressed me, like I think DeRozan has taken another step, like you mentioned. I, I, you know, I think Serge Ibaka is playing a little bit better than, you know, no one's really talking about him, but I, I think he's had a, a bit of a resurgence. Uh, I, I think Jonas Valanciunas is kind of doing what he's always doing, but I, I believe in playoffs Jonas, uh, you know, which is almost, <laughs> he's the inverse of, of Lowry and DeRozan, where I think he, he plays better in the playoffs. And then, like you, like you mentioned, um, I, I really like the, the young guys. Like, I, I think this team is nine, ten deep, which I don't think you could always say about the Raptors. I, I think in, in previous postseasons, when the Raptors bench has come in, that team is kind of, you know, like the Clippers, I think they have suffered where they've had to overextend their starters and maybe their, their best bench guy or top two bench guys. I think this year's team is deeper, you know. I still believe in Norm Powell, even though he's, he's hasn't been playing as well lately. I really like OG. Um, and then, you know, Pascal Siakam is, is solid. Uh, you know, you got, you got Pirtle is solid. Like, I think this team is, is really deep. And I, I just think they're big. They're physical. They, they have an identity. They're moving the ball better. They're playing at a faster pace. And, and you know, DeRozan has probably been, like, the, the third or fourth best player in the East. So, uh, you know, I, I think with that, like this, this team definitely has a chance to make the conference finals if, if the bracket breaks right. I still don't think DeRozan's anywhere near as valuable as Kyle Lowry is to this team. And that's not a slight at DeRozan. DeRozan, so DeRozan is eighth right now in real plus minus among every shooting guard. Uh, Kyle Lowry just quietly top five again in point guards, just doing that every year under the radar. OG Anubi, 
guess like ton of talk about Jason Tatum and especially like he's I think he has the best three point percentage in the NBA right now. And you know yeah. OG and Anubi, guess what? He has a better offensive real plus minus right now. And he is number eight overall among all threes in the NBA. So like if I just think and we've talked about this with their depth, I mean they have Norm Powell who's like kind of expendable with an OG. And then you have Pascal Siakam and you have Lucas Nagoria who's a really solid backup five. You have Jonas who the the one bad contract thing on this team, but you have Fred Van Fleet, who's a really good backup point guard. Dylan Wright, like they're just they have so many pieces that I think at some point because this team is still in kind of win now mode for the next three years, I think the only people you can't really trade is Ibaka with his uh, contract and like him and DeRozan and Lowry. Like I think if they can find a way, if Masai can find a way to package Norman Powell and. Siakam and maybe even OG if you have to to get like a four or a five like the Assault or someone like that Boogie whoever I just I really really like this team because I think they they're evolving and I think DeRozan and Kyle Lowry are still playing elite level and if you give those guys one more piece I just I think they're right there and I think the Wizards are the same way where it's like if you give Wall, Beal and even Porter one more guy Ubre is great at the stretch four. I like seeing him there. But, like, both of those two teams, if you give them one more solid option at the four or the five, like, I just I think that's a next-level situation where they're really scary about beating the Cavs, whose defense is only going to get worse. With IT back, they're going to outscore a bunch of people, and they're still – I think they're actually more efficient offensively this year than they were a year ago, and that's with Jose Calderon starting at point guard for most of the year. But, yeah, I just – the Raptors are fun and they're watchable and they're so close. I just want to see them capitalize on all of these great draft assets that they've accumulated over the years. I think this is the time. DeRozan's playing great. He's evolved. I, I, we'll see what happens come playoff time, but I just think they kind of have to move at some point because I don't know how much longer Kyle Lowry has left at, at this elite level, but I feel like DeRozan's going to be there for a couple more years, but yeah, at some point, I hope they cash in on a lot of these great draft assets that they've accumulated and developed over the years. Well, and, and to play devil's advocate, like, we've kind of seen this on the Raptors before. Like, not I, not to this extent where I think they have the third best net rating in the league right now behind the Warriors and the Rockets. And, you know, you could make a strong case that they are the third best team uh, in the league right now. But we have seen them battling with Cleveland for the one seed in the past. You know, I, I think they, they did have the, – did they have the one – or they were better than Cleveland, I think, what, what, one of the past four years. Like, it, it doesn't matter. You know, like, it all comes down to the playoffs with them and them winning a goddamn game one. Because yeah. we, we've seen it now, you know, three years in a row where they – or maybe even four. Like, they lose game one every year. They're, they're always in some bloodbath first-round series with a team they should easily beat. Like, is that going to be the case? They, like, who knows? What, what if they draw the Sixers in round one? Like, Joel Embiid might eat them up. Like, who, who knows? Like, so, I think with Can the I Raptors, whisper something like, as you're saying this? I don't think the Sixers are making the playoffs. If with, you look with at the their Raptors schedule, they're two up. games. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we need to worry no, about no, the Sixers. Ahead. I'm there. I don't think they're making the playoffs as a sidebar. Because I feel like every podcast on the NBA now has to have some kind of quick Sixers rant. They're like two games under 500 <laughs> oh, right now. They're out of the playoffs if it started today, and their January schedule is a nightmare. I don't think they're making the playoffs, but continue. 
Uh, well, I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, in that seven, eight range, who's going to be in there? Uh, could, could be Miami. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's know, the last thing we're going to talk about. Be, that would be a pain. Could be, could, could be Detroit. Like, who, who, who knows who's going to be in that spot? But I, I just think Toronto, like, this is the deepest and then best team I've seen from them. But at the same time, it's like, it, it just kind of like show me in the playoffs. Well, I think worst case scenario is they my draw the Bucks. Right now. If they draw the Bucks in round one, oh my god! Because I don't, That'd I don't think bad. they're beating the Bucks. Yeah, I think that's Giannis is such a bad. It, like Giannis is obviously a matchup nightmare for most teams, but I don't know who the Raptors are. You going to throw the rookie OG at him a lot? Are you going to throw Norman Powell? Like I, it's just he is such a bad matchup for the Raptors that. Oh man, if they end up with <laughs> that two seat, like matchup is, so, I feel like, like you said, we, it seems like we do this every year come playoff time. It's like, it's all about matchups with the Raptors. And once they get hit, like the Cavs are the same way. It's just kind of like the Bucks on steroids where they have no answer for LeBron and LeBron knows that. And then they just beat them into submission. And I think the Bucks, I would take the Bucks in a first round series, but you give me the Heat, Pacers, Knicks, Sixers. I think they win that series, but yeah. It's an interesting time for the Raptors. Last thing, we touched on them a little bit. The Heat refusing to die. Deion Waiters isn't going to be healthy all year. We knew that coming in, and we just kind of assumed that because he's awesome that Deion would fight through this ankle thing, but it's not working, and he's just been awful offensively and defensively. He's shooting like 30% from three, and it's just a lot of its injuries, and I feel bad. Josh Richardson's not shooting well. Dragic is awesome. Whiteside's awesome. But you look up and down this roster, I don't know how this team is surviving, and their offensive four factors is terrible. They're they're not great at anything. I, I don't understand how they're surviving. It's great defense. They're a great rebounding team, but oh my god, I just I don't understand. They turn the ball over a bunch. They can't get offensive rebounds. They don't get to the line ever, but they take a bunch of threes. I think they're yeah, they're six and threes. And I think Spo deserves a lot of credit for somehow keeping this team together because I don't understand how they're above five hundred right now. Yeah, I mean, Miami is one of those teams that, that's been very confusing this year. Like, we do have to acknowledge the Hassan Whiteside injury and, and how, you know, important he is, despite what the numbers might say. I think you, you can't deny that him being out makes, you know, has a big impact on that team. Uh, but, but again, like, they've kind of been more like the team we saw in the first half of last year. Um, that, you know, not, not as bad as 11 and 30, but just kind of, you, you don't know what you're getting from them on a nightly basis, right? Like what, when they're playing, you know, when they're playing well, this team has the makings of like a four or five seed in the East. I, I think they could be right there with like the wizards and the bucks. And then there's nights where they look like they could be, you know, with the, with the Hawks and the magic and, um, you know, the bulls, like. I just I don't really get it. Um, I still I think come playoff time, if they do make the playoffs, which I, I think they will, I think they'll probably end up being a six or seven seed. Um, I I would not want to play this team if they're healthy, just because you have a white side who, outside of of Embiid and Drummond, is probably you know the most physically imposing just force in the East. Uh, well, I guess also discounting LeBron. Um, yeah, I think Goran Dragic is just just a nightmare in the playoffs. Not really a matchup anyone wants. And then you have Deion Waiters, who 
I'm not a member of Waiters Island. Um, I, I I would not. I'm just not a big fan of Dion, but I, I still think Dion can have a big game or two in the playoffs that, that wins the heat of game. So, you know, that right there, you, you could easily be pushed to six or seven games by this team. I think they have that type of talent. So I'm with you. Like, I don't really know. It's very confusing. Like, I, I, I don't know. This team, to, to me, I think this team should blow things up and rebuild, but that's just not in Miami's DNA, right? Like, they, they're kind of almost Houston of, of the East where – they're always in the playoff hunt, no matter what. Like they, they never go full rebuild. They kind of rebuild on the fly. They, they find these random guys that you don't, you know. They find the Josh Richardson, and you know they, they turn James Johnson into a really useful guy in bigger minutes. They find the Tyler Johnsons. Like the Heat just do this. Uh, so it's not in their DNA. They will always prefer to make the playoffs and get a high draft pick. I disagree with that, but uh, I think with you know. Hopefully, Hassan Whiteside's back soon and, and, you know, just fully healthy and, and they kind of ride this out. But I don't know. They're, they're a confusing team. They're one of the more confusing teams in the league. And I, I think, you know, uh, you, you're, uh, you, you know, your guess is as good as mine in, in terms of what they're going to do the rest of the season. I think we got to give Chris Quinn a bunch of credit for keeping this team together on the bench as assistant coach. Chris Quinn. Shout out to him. <laughs> You know what's weird with this team? Like they nailed the Bam Adebayo pick. He's been great. If you watch them at all, he's been like, really good. Yeah, yeah. Like it was. That's a huge surprise because that felt like a reach at the time and a guy that wasn't going to contribute for them right away. And he's been huge. Justice Winslow is shooting forty percent from three. I feel like that's not getting enough attention. That Justice Winslow might actually turn out to be okay. But like, Elinick's been good. Wayne Ellington's super important for them. Tyler Johnson's like their biggest yeah. weak spot, and I think. That contract just looks terrible, and I think it's only going to get yep. worse as time goes on. But like, if they find a way to move him, or maybe Josh Richardson, or like Pack, like I don't think you can keep Adebayo for a long time. And I think about like maximizing his value right now for someone else, a team that needs a rim protector or might sell high on him. Maybe you move him now because if you have Whiteside locked up for the next couple of years, you can't play him and Bam together. So eventually, there will come a time where you have to pick. I mean, you have a Linux there, you have James Johnson, who's been great as we talked about, like. It's interesting what they're going to do because it's just a weird team. Like Dragic is really their only guard who can get to the line consistently. And he's a great uh, guy around the rim. But then they just have a bunch of shooters who haven't shot. Like you have waiters, you have Richardson, you have all these spot up shooters, even Olenek. And then you have these two great rim protectors and just force of nature guys like Adebayo and Whiteside. It's just, there's not a lot of teams in the NBA that play like the, the heat. You just have to watch them. And my hope Man, I hope this team gets Boston in round one because I don't think Boston has an answer for Whiteside. I I think Goran Dragic would give Kyrie all kinds of problems. I think Deion Waiters would love to play Boston in round one. Can you imagine some Deion Waiters, Marcus Smart situations where they get switched on each other? Like Kelly Olynyk going back to Boston? That's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that we get one seed Boston versus eight seed Miami because – if that's what happens, man, I think that game, that series could go seven. I, I could definitely see it. Like, I, and I, I think the, the thing with Boston that obviously it's, it's regular season, so it doesn't really matter. But like, Jalen Brown is at one playoff run. Jason Tatum has never played in the playoffs. Like, we don't, you know, for as well as those guys have played in the regular season, we don't know how they're gonna. I mean, we we saw some some flashes of Jalen Brown, uh, you know, last postseason, but. 
he was a bit up and down. We don't know how Jason Tatum is going to adjust to to postseason play. Like, I think they'll both be fine, most likely, but you just never really know. And if, if those guys get punched in the mouth in round one, we don't know how they'll re- respond and, and react. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Miami is a, is a nightmare matchup. And it seems like a lot of Celtics fans were worried about them last year be, being the first-round matchup before uh, the Heat missed the playoffs. But, uh, I, you know, I think this year would be – you know, just as scary of a team. Jovan, you got to get out of here. There's a game about to start, and uh, I appreciate you <laughs> taking the time. We can find you on Twitter at Jovan Boo. We can read you at ESPN.com. As always, thank you for taking the time, sir. Thanks for having me on, bro. All right, tell Chandler I said hi. I will. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs>